My name is Sabrina Raté. I'm a video artist. Uh, I make installations, live performances, prints, sculptures, everything that has to do with digital art or more, more video art. And uh, I mix analog tools with digital tools. Uh, and my work is really inspired by architecture and the idea of the virtual, the physical. Uh, and I like to create painting in motions, things like that. So could you tell us a little bit about your relationship uh, with technology, uh, whether as tool, as medium, as well as a subject of your work? Um, sure. Um, technology is, for me, a way to create a language. Like, I find that when I uh, work on a video, for example, it's, mo it's a lot like a dialogue with my tools. So like with a video, with a video synthesizer or with a 3D animation software, there's always like some surprises that, that arise, like um, some accidents, but also, you know, creating uh, this world that uh, I guess I, I relate to or I want to change. So it's al always a dialogue. So I, I'd say that I couldn't obviously do what I do without the technology, but it's not about the technology. It's mostly a mean to create um, you know, beautiful images or other worlds kind of uh, effect. And so a lot of your work kind of explores the thin and very complex barrier between the virtual and the real. And when it comes to the actual process of your work, I'm wondering if you can talk a little bit about how you translate the textures of reality into virtual spaces. Mm -hmm. Well, I guess it's it's always relative to different projects because some projects are really more like are much more abstract, and others are definitely uh, have ele elements taken from reality. For example, the project uh, Machine for Living. Uh, was inspired by the new town surrounding Paris, the architecture of these places that is very uh, unique. Um, and I wanted to try and translate this feeling I had when visiting these very utopian slash dystopian space where it's like it's really uh, powerful emotions that you get from visiting some architectures. So uh, basically I just, it's an interesting like the uh, relationship I had with this project between the virtual and the, the reality because I've discovered these places through images, through, so on the internet, through books. So I had a virtual kind of experience of this place and then I went to visit them uh, in reality and it was a, such a powerful experience. So, and the challenge was to bring it back into virtual but with my own vision, with my, uh, my tools, with um, and trying to achieve that feeling into virtuals. So for this project, I really I took pictures of the facades and I integrated them into 3D. So there's like this notion almost of documentation, but also something very surreal about these impossible architectures. Uh, but other projects like Biomes or uh, Radiance uh, are more inspired by paintings. So like almost like a reality that has always already been tra transformed and that I transform again. So it's more like a, you know, oniric world and you don't, you can have glimpses 
of recognizable shapes, but it's not relating to any specific reality in itself. I'm wondering if you could talk a little bit about uh, nature in the same way, or the natural, and how it's kind of embodied or disembodied within your digital landscapes or your digital paintings. I think that when, even when you create abstract shapes, you're always in this um, world <laughs> that uh, you are referring to, if, even if it's not uh, your intention. So, so it's interesting for me to actually create landscape that reminds me of real, like nature or water or flowers but that in the same time to abstract them so much that it's mostly just a suggestion, but it's not really what, you know, it's people like the viewer doesn't necessarily have to think it's water or flower, it could be anything else. So it's like to open up maybe reality to a, another dimension. That's perfect. <laughs> and do you think something is gained or lost in the translation of this information? Uh, I don't think there's lust or gain. I think it's just the transformation. So for you, what do you believe are the ties between the imagined and the technological? And even further, you know, what is the function of the imagination in, within your work? I mean, of course, imagination is everything because you're creating a language and uh, and the technology helps you to do it. But, I mean, when I conceptualize a work, for example, it's, it's very rare I have an image very clear of what I'm gonna do. It's, it comes through the process, and that's when, I guess, the imagination comes into place, that how can I change this element, or can I remove one and create a, a weird reality out of this? And it's mostly playing with uh, elements that almost like a puzzle and then you're trying to find solution in a creative way so yeah I guess that's what I have to say about this and that's really interesting that you were saying how you never start with a clear image mm -hmm. it's kind of just like you're pulling apart um, yeah actually it's yeah. Uh, something that I've realized lately uh, is that when I start working it's it's like a, a very vague impression, impression. Like it's like a, you want to recreate a, an ambience or, or a very abstract feeling through colors, through form, through architecture. But it's, it's very vague. So I guess when you create, it's a way to concretize this, this abstract emotion or idea. It's also interesting that you say that because since your work is inspired by architecture, mm -hmm. which in my mind is can be the, like is so concrete, mm -hmm. you, yeah. so yeah. I, th I yeah. think that the play between the concrete and the abstract is it's super true. interesting. And yeah. I think that's kind of what I like also about architecture is that it's very um, how do you say functional. <laughs> you know, you make architecture for a function, but sometimes you know there is. There are architects that think about also beauty and form, but it's mostly functional, and I think that's where I can find my freedom is to detach it from function and just 
use it for its, its aesthetic and its ambience and its uh, atmosphere and and like I can dream of useless architectures and it becomes you know sculpture it becomes just surreal spaces in which you can wander and it you know it serves no purpose and I really like this idea. Can you discuss the ephemeral properties of our current reality and uh, why you choose to translate these ephemeralities into something tangible? So I guess after kind of talking to you for a little bit, maybe kind of the way that you were just talking about architecture in that you like to think about it beyond its use function, how it's, it has all of these like imagined realities, but it doesn't necessarily have to be something concrete. Mm -hmm. And I feel like your work really has the ability to kind of translate these, you know, ideas into something that exists in a form. I don't know if that helps clarify. Yeah, I mean, it's the to make the reality tangible that was uh, that puzzled me a little bit because uh, tangible for me is like like a table. I don't know. Like so, for me, art or video or it's. I guess we could say to crystallize it, like fix it in time through a piece of art. Okay. Because uh, in the ephemeral reality, when I read that, I was thinking maybe you're the, 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 close, the closer I can relate to this idea would be, for example, how we project things, you know, uh, psychological projection. Because reality to me is ephemeral in that sense that uh, we perceive things based on our experience and we are constantly changing. So we don't see, for example, uh, the same space uh, the same way twice if we go and have some experience in that space. Um, so, so for me, reality is always being uh, transformed and changed in the psych in a psychological way. And so, I try to translate this into video as well, like this idea that the space is merging into another one, or that um, you can't grasp reality because finally what is it what is reality how uh, it's just an inter interpretation it's also a human you know uh, vision so it's very anthropocentric how we see reality so it's really fascinating to me this this idea because we need to believe that things exist and that they're real but in the same time we don't have to be stuck in a little box of definition, we can uh, try to expand and see how we can uh, find new meanings to this reality. That's perfect. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Could you describe the ways in which your work is both able to represent as well as abstract this idea that you were talking about? The Yeah, can I describe? Um, it's a little bit, like I said, when I start to work on a project, it's a, like an abstract feeling that you're trying to, to, to make a bit more clear or you know, to express with different elements. Like, I like this idea of ambiguity, where you're not really sure if what you're seeing is uh, completely dreamy and you'd love to wander in it, or actually maybe not. Maybe you'd prefer to stay out of it, and I'm so I'm trying to make beautiful images, but that also have this kind of ambiguous feel to them. 
something almost terrifying, you know, because something, something really beautiful is almost terrifying to me. And I think that's where also um, uh, the idea of the sublime comes into play, because there's something bigger than what we feel in this idea of sublime. It's like you feel something, but you can't reach it. For, like Machine for Living is maybe the one, like I just finished finished it, so I, I talk more about this one, but I find that like with the, also the sound and the, the way that it is, it's edited, it's really slow, very hypnotic. It leaves a lot of space for projection, uh, psychological projection. So I guess I want to ask you now about this idea of the sublime as it relates to architecture in general or brutalist architecture. I'm kind of wondering what are your thoughts on the relationship between architecture in general, oppression, and sound, and, as well as image? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's interesting because I'm going to link up with, you know, the project Machine for Living because uh, I, when I visited, the, for example, Les Espaces d'Abraxas, which is like a huge uh, habitation building, there's like 600 apartments in there. It was built in the 60s or 70s, and it, it's a... Um, it's like kind of Greek, Greek, Greco-Roman, like kind of aesthetic. Like there's like uh, art and uh, it's like pink, very Mediterranean. But then it's so huge and oppressive that it's kind of like a, a dreamy jail. <laughs> like when I went in there, I was like, oh my god! Like it's so intense. It, and that's, you know, it comes back to this idea of beautiful and terrifying at the same time. And it's like, so I think brutalist architecture have, has a lot of the, these uh, ambience with them because they're so massive and, and um, almost, almost aggressive in some ways. Like they're there, you can't avoid them. And, you're, you feel small, and it's uh, it's almost not human size. But in the same time, the shapes are so pure and minimal uh, that it's a really beautiful aesthetic experience. So I think there's a lot to do about it, and also the the time when those architecture were built, and like there's a, a true like utopian idea of creating like um, you know. For example, the, the perfect city, the perfect building that will last forever or something. And then there is this new form emerging, like modernism. So it's like it, you feel the, the time through this architecture. And it's fascinating also to see that today, a lot of some of these architecture have become kind of like the symbol of a nightmare, you know, like how many horror films have been shot and this kind of, like I'm thinking of Cronenberg, of course, but like even Les Espaces d'Abraxas, they shot, uh, I think, Brazil, there are some Hunger Games scenes. But it's, uh, so I think this kind of architecture really embody this idea of utopia and dystopia in such complex way, in so many ways. I was also wondering about sound in relationship to these spaces. I know for Machine for Living, you worked with a sound artist. I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about that collaboration and kind of how sound relates back to these ideas of like uh, the utopian 
uh, uh-huh. city or the, yeah. you know the, and as well as this kind of oppressed oppression that mm-hmm. yeah I mean I must say I always most well most of my videos uh, the sound are made by Rachetelier Craig except for one that was actually made by Andrea Jane Cornell but that's the only video that we, I made with someone else and Roger is uh, we've been working together for so long that now like we we're really like on the same page when I want something because uh, like we've developed this language together too and I have this I guess a very utopian idea for sound I don't know uh, that I'm always looking for the most neutral sound possible because I find there's a lot of sound that is connoted with emotions or you know all of a sudden it becomes dark or or too happy and it it, it really um, gives a, a tone to the image that you know I don't want sometimes so so for machine for living for example I was like you know, I want to feel almost that it's a machine-like kind of installation, like that the, the, you almost like look at the architecture sitting on a crane going on top of it, like there's something very mechanical about it. But I didn't want it to be too dark or like, you know, but it's a little bit oppressive, but I think it works. There's a lot of drones and some textures. So it's really, I guess, to, it complements the image without overbearing it. Uh, and gives help giving an atmosphere and ambience, but it's always a challenge to work with sound. And I'm I like to keep it minimal, but sometimes I do want something very connoted. Like it happens that I want something like some really kitsch or really like it's it really depends on the project. Of course, yeah. I love this idea of the neutral sound, though kind of existing within this space that you've already exactly. created and not adding any unnecessary emotion mm-hmm. or suggesting anything to the viewer. Exactly. Yeah. This is kind of my also obsession is to give space to the viewer to project like what he wants inside of the image. Not even though I know what I'm like I have an idea of what I want to create, I also want the this can be free for the viewer to, to, to interpret. That's great. Thanks. I feel like I, I feel like that's rare in art, but <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I think since they are abstract emotion, they, they tend to infiltrate every image, but it's not overpowering maybe. Um, but I don't necessarily my work to be neutral, like in the sense that I want the sound to be neutral and leave a lot, leave a lot of space. But I also, you know, try to communicate somehow some things. But it's it's not imposed, you know. It's not uh, in your face, and and I really love it when people are like this, like you know, have an experience from my work that is completely different from what I was expecting because I'm like, that, that means that I've succeeded in, in this way. And I find that um, a lot of your recent work has featured this same kind of color scheme, um, which is these muted pastel tones and uh, metallics. And I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about how these colors 
and uh, tones relate to the dominant themes of your work, if they do at all? Um, kind of like, are the do you see these as the colors of the machine, the virtual, the uncanny, or hmm. none of those things? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm trying to because every video has a definitely different color palette. Some of them, some colors comes back a lot. There's uh, for example, like the Siri biomes, that is like some kind of a world where human would have been extinct and there's weird entities that are ri rising from surreal landscape. Like it's really different completely from Machine for Living. Uh, but like, it's like four, I see that as, as four biomes. So there's one that's more yellowish brown, more blue and white, and another one more pink and one turquoise. Like, so I guess I just, you know, when I, when I start on a color, color palette, I like to explore all of the subtlety of it. But uh, it's really like, like, there's something I like think of, I like to think about video as paintings you know you're painting with light it's um, so really when I choose colors they come to me a little bit intuitively and then I just this is just fun to like have nice colors I guess <laughs> like I'm having fun and and I guess it helps to underline some ambience I try to maybe create um, but I don't, I don't know how, like, in terms of meaning, I don't know if it's that conscious, you know? It's not like a conscious decision, like, this blue means this. It's, I guess it's more like for the overall ambience, like what it creates as an impression. When thinking about everyday life or the quotidian, what do you believe is the role of the uncanny? And um, I ask this because I find as we're talking about the real and the virtual, that this kind of uncanny element plays out in a lot of your work. I do, if I understand well uncanny, I guess it's, it can take a lot of meaning too, but I know, for example, I've been always inspired by like wandering the streets at night and ha you know, seeing one window with a weird color, like illuminated or, you know, like, uh, finding ambience that seem a bit out of this world, and but it in very um, daily daily life context, like super banal context, and I I think that's like a sensibility that helps me also to create my videos because I like that there's always a, a thing that makes it strange in some ways that you're not dealing with a reality you completely understand and this like brings us back to this idea that there's always an element in reality that we don't understand that keeps us I guess going yeah I mean I just like when things are weird <laughs> <laughs> and it's it's just it's raising questions but it's also sometimes just you just want to uh, let yourself go with it and like on go with the flow and be just like wow this is so weird and I love it and I don't know why and this brings new reflections, new emotions. Thank you.
Thank you.